Hello, this is Chuck Solomon, and welcome to the Candidate Experience Podcast, where we focus on the job candidate journey from apply to onboard and the space in between. Let's get started. care about the candidate experience, but have you ever wondered exactly how to bring your company to that next level and offer a world-class experience to your candidates? It's not easy. Fortunately, Candidate.FYI can help. Their solution guides candidates through your hiring journey, enhancing transparency and communication at every touchpoint. You'll also gain valuable insights on what's working and what's not with your hiring process. Best of all, it integrates directly with your ATS. Head on over to candidate.fyi and see how to transform your company's candidate experience today. Welcome to the Culture Ad episode where Taryn Wilson diversity, equity, and inclusion manager at 8451 is my special guest. Listen in as she shares her insights on DEI and how to create a stellar candidate experience. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please do subscribe and please share with others. Want to comment, discuss, provide feedback, you can send me a note via LinkedIn or via our contact form at www.thecx.com. XYZ. I thank you for listening, and here's my interview. Hey, Taryn, can you tell listeners uh, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm a Cincinnati native. Um, I have over 25 years experience in sales, marketing, consultant, and in the most recent four years, um, I started to dabble into this diversity, equity, and inclusion space. Sure. And I've been um, in the publishing and data insights um, industries or working with companies in those industries over the last 25 years. Gotcha. And tell us a little bit about your company and your role at the company. Yeah. So um, 8451 is a retail data science insights and media company. We have headquarters in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we have regional offices in Chicago, Portland, and New York City. And so we help the Kroger company um, in consumer packaged goods companies, agencies, publishers, and affiliated partners create a more personalized and valuable experience for shoppers across the path to purchase. And so I moved into a newly created diversity, equity, and inclusion manager role at 8451 in August of 2018, uh, where I helped to strategically embed diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging into the fabric of our culture and our values. Gotcha. And when, when did you start that role? I started that role in August of 2018. Gotcha. And had you worked in any sort of hiring or recruiting or like, how did you, you know, get into the whole sort of talent space? Yeah. So I actually, I, I had not worked in um, talent and recruiting um, previously, but I landed in, in this talent space when I moved into H, our HR team in sure. this new DEI manager role. So um, with our DEI roadmap, we have strategies that include attracting more diverse talent, 
which mm-hmm. requires me to work very closely with our talent acquisition team so that we align on how we intentionally go about sourcing and attracting more diverse talent. So that's how I've been able to move into that space, you know, have a better understanding of how we do that when we're recruiting on the, the university college side and also on the experienced hire side. Gotcha. I try to ask that question of all my guests just to say, like, because I think everyone has a really unique path. Um, there's no no clear path. You said I landed here. I <laughs> so, landed here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so I think it's it's interesting to hear sort of the sort of the diverse responses that I get when and so thanks for sharing. Um, can you talk about a, a challenge that your company's experience with some aspect of the candidate experience um, and, and what you all did about it? Yeah, so this one, I mean, as you think about uh, the, the pandemic and even in the post-pandemic, mm-hmm. and we're back to what we're considering our new normal, uh, the recruiting landscape has evolved, you know, due to the great resignation and yep. then the candidate needs evolving. So what we've learned is that we must be intentional about not only what our company needs are, but what the candidates' needs are. So they're looking for career paths, flexibility. Many are um, researching companies to make sure they are inclusive. Um, they have inclusive cultures. And so th- those things are very important. And so we continue to stay true to keeping the candidate at the center of the recruiting process. We want a very intimate, personal, and empathetic experience for them. So as we think about our candidate experience, we want them to feel included, respected, and valued. And one of the things that I don't think many companies do is even for those candidates that are not extended an offer for a role at 8451, mm-hmm. our recruiters personally provide feedback to them instead of just sending a generic decline email because we want to treat our candidates respectfully. So that's very important to us. And so we want to also provide that employee value proposition, understand what it is the candidate is looking for in a role, in a company, and not just, you know, it's kind of everything in a box. Here's who we are, take it or leave it. It's one of those things where it's a two-way relationship. And so at the very onset of, you know, how we do things, we want to make sure that our candidate is first and at the center of everything that we do. I love it. I love it what you um, you referred to it as being intentional, um, and it sounds like your company is being intentional um, in making sure your candidates are getting a, a good experience there. Um, I also like what you you said about your recruiting team reaches out to those that don't get the job because, after all. You know, there could be a hundred people applying and if there's one opening, you know, 99 people are going to be, <laughs> um, not getting the job. So I like what you said about that. I just interviewed, uh, and she's actually a, re- a recruiter, um, in a recent episode and she's actually looking for work and she talked about her experience and hearing back and closing the communications loop and that she reported that there's still lots of companies that still don't close that loop. Um, and it sounds like you have closed the loop. So good for you yeah, for doing yeah. that. I think that's important that we close the, the loop. And Chuck, to your point, we may have one role available. That doesn't mean that the other candidates aren't qualified. We we just had one role to fill. So we need to make sure we close that loop because if other opportunities come up, again, we want that to be a 
relationship where we may reach back out to them with additional opportunities and just treating people like humans and that empathy of how would you want someone to respond to you if you were, you know, applying for a role, you know, at a company. So I think that's very important that we have that level of empathy and respect for every candidate, you know, that's interested in our organization. Yeah. Empathy with a big E. Um, yes. I love it. Capital E. <laughs> and, you know, going back to, you know, treat people as you'd want to be treated as well. I think uh, um, there, there, there's, there's, Lots of different applicant tracking systems out there. Uh, I believe the all the modern ones have the ability to send out even an auto-generated message uh, to those those ninety nine that didn't get the job to say, "Hey, sorry, but uh, thanks for your interest." And I think I think candidates, you know, that's closing the loop. It might not be as personalized as what your team does, but at the very least, it's it's. Letting people know where they stand. So. Where they stand, yeah. Especially if we're engaging with them, if we've gotten them to the point where they, you know, they've been able to have a conversation with the recruiter, you know, they've been through the interview process. I think we at least owe them that, um, you know, that response to the, let them know, you know, we chose someone else. And if they ask for any particular feedback, is there anything that you know I I was lacking or why I possibly wasn't a a good fit for the role that we can give that feedback to them. I think we, we owe that to them. I I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think there's lots of companies that shy away from, from that. And if, if you are giving some sort of feedback, I think that just, I think that does two things. One, it, 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 it boosts your employer brand as a company. Um, and it also, it, it might help someone else in their next interview go around with another company. So good for you guys for doing that. Cause most do not, unfortunately, <laughs> I think it's, um, you know, there's a lot of companies worried about, um, these, you know, being sued, which I understand that's a real fear. Um, but you know, giving someone constructive feedback, um, and, and it being factual based, I, I don't, I don't think you have to you know worry too much. I think there's too much upside to improving your employer brand as well as um, maybe they're not a good fit for this role, but maybe down the line. Um, and that exactly, and that's exactly we have to keep that in mind too, because we may have other opportunities available um, to them. So we want to keep that relationship, you know, if it's possible, and if there are other opportunities, it makes it much easier for us if we want to reach back out to them to say, you know, we've spoken before about this role, you didn't get it, but here's another opportunity. So again, it's that when you think about that competitive landscape, we need yep. to make sure we keep our options open as far as that talent that's available because they have plenty of other options, but we want to make sure that they consider or, and if they didn't get the role, they reconsider 8451. And then too, when I talk about that culture of inclusion and belonging, it's about feeling included, respected and valued from the very onset of you researching who we are and what we stand for. And so we want to make sure that we're demonstrating that when the candidate is going through that experience. And it's even, you know, a really beautiful thing when they're deciding to make a decision on, am I going to take this role? Those are probably some of the things they'll factor in that sense of inclusion. And will I feel like I belong there? Will I be respected? 
for who I am and for the contributions that I bring to the organization. So just when I think about things from that diversity lens, those are things that are very important. And we want to make sure those aspects are built into our overall um, recruiting cycle and just to ensure that the candidate is having a good experience. So I feel super proud to share that those are some of the things that we do at 8451. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you have, does your, you or your team have anything, uh, new plan coming up to finish out the year or into next year related to either what you were just touching on diversity, equity, inclusion, or, or the, or ways to improve DEI at your company or, you know, to improve the candidate experience? Yeah. So really to tie on to the, the DEI um, aspect of it, we continually evaluate our interviewing and calibration processes mm-hmm. because we want to ensure it's candidate first um, and that we're looking for ways that we can mitigate bias throughout the process, sure. allowing each candidate a consistent and fair um, evaluation. So, you know, we work with training our hiring managers and interviewers to be more inclusive and to make sure that they're checking any biases um, that could, you know, or blind spots that they have and um, that they fully understand that we need to consider that diversity of thought of experiences and backgrounds um, of all of our candidates. So one of the things, you know, is a lot of times people will say, hey, are they a cultural fit? And we really want to get away from a cultural fit in the sense that sometimes that's going to exclude populations of people. So how sure. about we shift our mindset to a cultural ad? Are there things, you know, for from a particular candidate, those experiences um, that they may bring to the organization that we may need more of and that we have an appreciation for, you know, diversity of thought and people's different, you know, backgrounds and things. So that's where we're trying to just broaden um, the mindset of those who are a part of the recruiting um, process. So they consider those things. So we're constantly providing training, um, you know, different things for our hiring managers and our interviewers to be aware of. So that's something that, you know, we continually work on and it's very um, important to us. And it's a part of our our DEI roadmap, because as we talk about, we want to attract more diverse talent. Well, a lot of that comes to our behaviors and our mindsets. So, yes, sure. we want to make sure that when we're interviewing candidates, that they do align to our values-based leadership model or specific core competencies and skills. And if we stay focused on those things and not allow biases or other things to creep in, you know, such as say you're looking at a resume or you're interviewing and, okay, they went, they were in a different sorority or they went to a school that you may not feel as elite or as recognized those things don't matter. If the person has the values-based leadership model behaviors that we're looking for, they have the skill cores and competencies that we're looking for, that helps us to mitigate some of the biases that may creep in. So it really is, you know, retraining our very hardwired brains that are, our brains will always have biases, but how do we retrain it to look for the things that really and truly matter, that would make them a cultural ad um, to our organization. So super excited about um, how we are just embedding that. We don't create a status quo of here's how we recruit and we leave it that way. We're constantly looking at it to say, how can we make it better? 
again, keeping the candidate experience at the center of all of the decisions that we make. I, I love what you're what you're sharing here. Um, a couple of things: the 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 culture uh, the the culture fit um, versus culture ad. I I definitely think um, you're right on. Where we're you know as a country we're sort of a big melting pot, and everyone has come from a lot of different places. Or if they're a native person, they were already here. Um, and there's so much. Individuals can add <laughs> different perspectives, yes. different thoughts, um, and that can be, um, I think, additive to an organization. I went to a DEI conference a few years ago, and they were the the person leading the presentation was showing just some really awful marketing materials that went out, and these were well known companies, not to name names, and the the presenter's point was what if you had someone that was a uh, uh from this group or this group that was part of your team that would notice just this really awful stuff that was sent out and made public like isn't that adding to your company <laughs> because you have someone and if you if you don't know you because we all like you said we all have our biases we all come from somewhere you know we might just know we might just be a little bit ignorant to it but if we had someone uh, different, lots of different perspectives from things. Then, then that that catches things that shouldn't really go out. So, yeah. and that, um, that's very true. Very true. And it, it's that: how do you develop that more intrinsically inclusive mindset, where you're more drawn to people that may be different than you? You, you have right. that level of curiosity, and you know you want to learn more about people who are different than you. That opens you up to those opportunities that of people who are may in certain instances are neglected or, you know, aren't getting hired. I mean, some of the work with people with autism, you know, sure. it's, it's very alarming, the statistics of the number of people with autism that have college degrees, it may be upwards of 80%, never find a, a job in their related field. They end up right. finding work, you know, it may be in hospitality or restaurant or, you know, grocery, but people have biases towards people who may have autism simply because they they don't know anyone who has autism or they haven't worked with anyone but those people are very bright brilliant people and they have a lot of lot to offer to organizations and that's one thing we all need to keep in mind is the workforce of the future and that workforce availability there are so many untapped um groups of people that you know are being neglected or not being offered positions because We've created these prototype biases of what success looks like. And so we need to disrupt those biases and start to, with that cultural ad mindset, um, we can tap into so many more people that would bring so much to our organizations in their diversity of experiences, thoughts, backgrounds, you know, their authenticity, but also the, the contributions and the work they'll be able to deliver for the organization. So it's very important that, you know, we continue to push ourselves to be better in that space. And that's one thing about 8451 that we are really committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, I love being in this role because I help to champion that and really push people to get out of their comfort zone. And we have to be the, we got to get ahead of what the workforce of the, the future looks like and start to tap into that right now. 
Yeah, agree. I like what you also mentioned about you uh, are purposely training hiring managers, and I believe you specifically said on on their biases, and then you recognize that we all have biases. But are it seems like you're doing specific training just for hiring managers, and as we all know, hiring managers are like. I call them like 50% of the equation. There's a whole recruiting team going out and identifying people, bringing them in, but it's really the hiring managers that are doing the other 50% of hiring. Um, so um, can you elaborate any on the, on the training that you're offering to your hiring managers? Yeah, and that's that really is it's around awareness. So bringing that awareness to, I mean, sure. with biases, it's neuroscience behind that. Our brains are, are hardwired to fight or flee. We're making right. millions of decisions each day on, is that person good? Are they bad? Should I interact with that person or not? Are they good enough for the job or a no? So how do we learn about how our brains are wired, but not accept like, oh, well, we have a brain. We all have bias. No. Once you're aware of those biases, then what are you going to do differently to make sure you're checking those biases, that they're not creeping into your decision making? when you're looking to hire a candidate, because I mean, there are things that we can do. Like you should have more standardized questions when you're interviewing, because that allows all of those who are interviewing to be on the same page. Again, you're aligning it to what are the things that are going to make that person, you know, be able to successfully um, be in that particular role. We're focused on those things. So we have to make sure that we're aligned to that. We're asking the questions because if you don't have standardized questions and you don't even realize there's unconscious bias that could creep in, it may be just you looking at a person, looking at their resume, and you've already excluded them. So you may ask questions that are going to lead to getting you to know. Versus how about we expand that and we're looking for more diversity of thought and experiences that we can get to a yes and we can get to that, what we talked about, that cultural ad and that person will still be successful and thrive in the organization. So it would be a win-win for both the candidate and which would become an employee and then also for our organization. So just training them on once you recognize these things, we want to hold you accountable to say now what from a behavioral or mindset standpoint are you going to do differently? to be, you know, more inclusive, you know, and less biased um, by your decision. So a lot of the, the biases are unconscious, but a lot of times when you bring those biases to the conscious and you're aware of them, then what are you going to do to make sure that you're trying to mitigate or those biases are not informing your decisions? So that's why that training is needed. And I mean, really, it's one of the ways to to get us there. You can't just rely on people to under... Sometimes people don't understand, well, what's, what's a bias? What's neuroscience? So to be, able, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to, to be able to train them on it to a level where they get it, they understand it, people will then begin to think and behave differently. And that's what we're seeking. And out of that, then we're able to, again, that candidate experience, people are truly getting a fair um, chance at the role. And we're not leaving untapped talent on the table or, you know, or walking away from, from that talent. Sure. Do you have uh, one tip for others that are looking to do something to improve their company's candidate experience? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, we've talked a lot about it, but um, ensure you have that candidate first mindset and that you're continually looking to find ways to improve that candidate experience. So don't just settle with status quo of, well, we have this, this process and this is what we use. Continue to check that, poke holes in it. And then two, um, any contact or interaction that you have with the candidate, whether it be social media, you know, LinkedIn, your company website, um, how how you're interacting with recruiters or the interviewers, it should be an, an inclusive experience for the candidate where they feel like they are respected, they're valued for who they are and for the experiences that they could potentially provide and bring to your organization. So again, I always say, remember, we are all human and we have a de- desire to be treated as such. So keep that empathy when we're, you're, you know, you're trying to attract talent. Yes, we know we got to move quickly, But again, how do we pause and just remember, if I were the person interviewing for a role, how would I want to be treated? So those things are very important, you know. And then, too, um, you know, when I talked about how we're interacting with the candidates on social media and LinkedIn, and we talked, talked about this earlier, are you showing that diversity within your organization? So making sure you have good representation in your marketing and to show that you're, you're being inclusive and and be genuine about it because people are really looking for that. Come, you know, they're, they're going to research companies to say, what are you doing in in that space? How are you making sure that it's an inclusive environment? There's that sense of belonging. I can be my authentic self, but you have to be true to it because if you just put out marketing material to show it, the candidate needs to experience that if they're coming in for face-to-face interviews or even once they hire, they're hired. We want to live up to what we said we are. We want them to be able to see it. Oh, they said they're an inclusive environment and culture. I see it in the inclusive behaviors of those on my team that I work with, et cetera. So we, we provide an employee value proposition. We need to live up to that employee value proposition. And that's one thing that many companies, um, I think that's a tip that they can take that away and, um, it would help with the overall candidate experience and your employee experience too, as you convert those candidates to employees. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, to echo what you've said there, uh, you you can't just talk about it. You need to do something about it. Can't just be a, uh, showing nice pictures of uh, diverse people in, in, in pictures, it actually needs to be real people. Real people. Um, uh, people, I think, uh, uh, as you as you mentioned, like when people come on board, they can see it um, firsthand, <laughs> or they can actually see it throughout the hiring process. They can they can they take notice as, as to who they see on the company site, the company LinkedIn profile, who they're engaging with in the interview process as well. Um, I think folks see that and. Um, to your to your point, um, you need to work at it. I think so. Companies definitely need to work on it. Sounds like your company is is well working on it. So good for you guys. If people wanted to get a hold of you, how how could they do so? Um, I would say the best way to reach me would be on LinkedIn. So they can find me at Taryn Wilson on LinkedIn, um, and I'm pretty active on there. So that would be the best way. Taryn, it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for spending time with me this uh, today, and uh, hope you have a wonderful weekend. 
Oh, thank you, Chuck. I appreciate the opportunity um, and enjoyed spending this time with you and hope you have a great weekend too. Thanks for listening to the Candidate Experience Podcast. You can reach out to us via our website, thecx.xyz. That's T-H-E-C-X dot X-Y-Z.